into it because we have we spent um, a few minutes already. Um, so basically what, what the Spirit of the Lord will have us touch on today is sacrifice. I know that in the past few days, we've been touching on the foundations of our faith and we've had, um, um, we had, I think yesterday was Yasmin where she talked about the foundation of love. And this morning, one of the things, uh, rather the thing we're touching today is sacrifice. And I began to ask the Lord, you know, what he wanted to um, give to his people this morning, what part of sacrifice he wanted to touch on and explain and, and bring the spirit of revelation in. And, you know, the scripture, the Lord started reminding me of certain things that have been happening in my life in recent times and how many times where I will be praying and I will be in deep prayer and I'll be asking the Lord for certain virtues or graces and how the Lord will then reply and say, instead of saying, oh, I've given you this or the answer is yes, as, as the case may be, what I would then hear is what are you willing to pay for it? What are you willing to pray for? So every time um, I thought of sacrifice, I thought of sacrifice in that life. Every time I thought of, you know, um, what what the children of Israel did in, in time past when they gave up, um, when they gave sacrifices unto God for certain purposes, the first thing that came to my mind was, what, what were they looking for? Why were they giving up sacrifices? What was the exchange that was to happen by reason of that sacrifice? And the Bible led me, or the Lord led me, um, to the book of Second Samuel 24. If you have your Bible, please, it's a long read. And I would really want us to actually go through this together because many times when we talk about sacrifices, we remember the sacrifices of the Old Testament and how sometimes it was because they sin, you know, and they gave up, um, they would slaughter animals and, you know, sacrifices upon the altar so that their sin may be cleansed. You know, it's one thing to do that, but it's another thing to know the exact meaning of that thing and what is happening at that time. So the Bible, the, the, the Lord actually led me to the book of Second Samuel 24. So if you have your Bible, you can go through it. And I'll just quickly read. And it says in chapter, in verse one, it says, and again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host, which was with him, go now through all the tribes of Israel and Dan, even to Bathsheba, and number ye the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said unto the king, now the Lord thy God add unto, thy, unto the people, how many whatsoever they be, a hundredfold, and that the eyes of my Lord the king may see it. But why doth my Lord the king delight in this thing? Notwithstanding the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captain of the host. And Joab and the captain of the host went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. And he passed over Jordan and pitched in Ara, and the right on the right side of the city that lieth in the midst of the river of God, and towards Jazer. And they came to Gilead and to the land of um, Tatmin Odish. It was very long. <laughs> and they came to um, Dajan and about to Zidon and came to the stronghold of Tyre and to all the cities of the Evites and the Canaanites. And they went out to the south of Judah, even to Bathsheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Um, and Joab gave up the sum of the number of the people unto the king, and there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men and that drew the sword, and men of Judah, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men, and David's heart 
smote him after he had numbered the people. And he says, and David said unto the Lord, I have seen greatly that I have done. Um, I have seen greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of their servants. And I uh, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto Unto the prophet God, the David seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them that I may do unto thee. So God came to David and told him and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? Or will that flee three months before thy enemies and while they, while they pursue you? Or that there be three days pestilence in the land? Now advise and see what I shall answer. What answer I shall return unto him that sent me? And David said unto God, I am in a, in a, in a great strait. Let, um, let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, and let me not fall into the hand of man. Verse 15, so the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel, even from morning. It says from, from the morning, even to the time appointed, and there died of the people from Dan to Bathsheba, 70,000 men. And when the, the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented of, of the evil and said to the angel of, to, and said to the angel that destroyed the people, it is enough, stay now thy hand. And the angel of the Lord was in, by the threshing place of Aruna, the Jebusite. And David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel and smote the people, that smote the people and said, lo, I have seen and I have done wickedly, but this sheep, what have they done? Let thy hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. And God came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And David, according to um David, according to the saying of God, went up to the Lord command as the Lord commanded. And Aruna looked and saw the king and the servants coming towards. Him. And Aruna went and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Aruna said, Wherefore, says, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor, floor of thee, of the, to build an altar unto the Lord, and, and that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Aruna said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. He says, Let my lord take up unto him what seemeth good unto him. Behold, ye be oxen for bond sacrifice and threshing instruments and all the instruments of the oxen for wood and all those things did Aruna as a king give unto the king and Aruna said unto the king Lord thy God has said thee it says um, the Lord thy God has said thee 24 and the king said unto Aruna nay but I will surely buy it for of thee at a price neither will I offer bond offerings unto the Lord my God of what of that which doth cost me, cost me nothing. So David brought the trash, brought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offering and peace offering. So the Lord was entreated in the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, people. Hallelujah. Is anybody home? Yes, we are home. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you. So basically, yes, that story, like I said, was very long. Um, basically, what was happening was that um, David, in his pride at that time, this was the later part of David's life, 
um, was counting the whole of Israel, I think to fulfill a sense of pride that he had, you know, that the numbers were growing. And then he sent his captains and he sent um, Joab and they advised against this, but David would not listen. And the Bible says that the word of David, the word of the king uh, prevailed over that of the captains. And they went on and they actually counted the whole of Israel. And in counting them, the Lord, the spirit of the Lord was um, angry against David and the Lord, um, came with a punishment and he said to David, choose of these three things, what you would have done, you know, for this mistake and for this foolishness. And, you know, one thing interesting that happened in that place was that David actually didn't choose. David just said that it was better for him to be in the hands of the Lord because great is the mercy of God. And then the Bible talks about how it was the pestilence that came. And for three days, you know, the angel of the Lord smote the cities of um, of Israel and of Judah and 70,000 men fell and just as he was about to enter Jerusalem to do the same, the Bible says that the Lord repented of this evil and, you know, he told the angel to stop what was happening. And in that moment, God came up to David and said to David, you know, give um, um, a sacrifice unto the Lord, you know, because of this um, thing, this thing that has happened for this interjection and for this mercy. And the Bible says that David went ahead you know, upon that threshing floor where the angel of the Lord had presented himself and he um, bought the land for Aruna, the Jebusite. The Jebusite, the guy there wasn't uh, an Israelite. He wasn't of the children of Jacob. He says he bought it from the man's hand, even though the man had offered, offered everything that David needed for that sacrifice. Because think about it, what was happening in Israel was also affecting him. This was the place where he was living, the place where he was staying. This was the place where his family was dwelling. He had become a part of the people. So it was really nothing to give you know, of what it had so that people don't die, you know, but David, David will, will say to the man that I will not give God what will not cost me anything. What David basically was saying in that time, he says, I will not give freely. I will not give, you know, without any purpose. It also means that I will not give in, in, in vain. It also means also that I will not transact with the Lord with nothing in my hand. So David bought the land out of the hand of Herod. When I started this, I said that there were many things that, you know, the Lord had been dealing with me in this season. But one of the things I found out was many times when I was deep in prayers and when it, many times while I would be talking to God and I'm trying to pray out certain matters or I'm trying to get some things from God and I'm saying, God, give me these things. And many times I realized that the Lord will say to me, what do you have to offer for these things. And then I began to realize that when it comes to the kingdom of God, nothing is truly, truly free as it were. Even the things that we say they are free, they are actually paid for. Think about it. Even talking about sacrifices, we cannot talk about sacrifices if we don't talk about the fact that Jesus offered up himself upon the cross and you know how that brought our salvation and how truly we have to give, we have taken freely from the hand of the Lord. But how this same sacrifice was God greatly and it caused Jesus greatly. The Bible says um, in the book of, uh, um, I think it was the book of um, Philippians 2 verse 6 to 8, it says, who though he was in the form of God did not count its equality with God to be, um, did not count its equality with God a thing um, to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking um, the form of a servant, being it says, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point 
of death, even the death on the cross. So you see that even the salvation plan of God wasn't necessarily free because he caused Jesus his reputation. The Bible says he's, he made himself nothing. He took off the divinity and laid it down on the side and he took on the likeness of men and the processes of men. See, when we say, oh, Jesus became a man, we don't understand the intensity of what that means. It means that God in his fullness went and followed even the very government and the processes that he had laid for men people who were subject to him. It means that even for Jesus to come upon the face of the earth, he couldn't come as one who was fully formed. He had to enter the womb of a teenager and trusted that in that process, those people will act according to the will of the father to preserve him and to keep him. And even for those times, he stayed there for nine full months and he was there and he was subject to that process and he was subject to the government of God till he was time for it, it was the appointed time and jesus went through that part of being birthed and even coming out you know his life was as at risk and they had to you know run to egypt in that time when he was a child because Herod had gotten up and said every child who was two years and below had to be killed and in all of that he went away and you know his parents tried to preserve his life and even in that process he had to be subject to their words to their teaching he had to be subject to their authority and so many incidents like that and this was all in the salvation plan of God so even that old saga was risky even for God and even for um for Jesus because he will not break his own government and you see you you then realize that there was a lot that went into you know God even trying to save man from from his wrath from God trying to save man from his ability from from his own ability to destroy himself you see that playing out in the life of Jesus and the Bible actually talked about what he had to give up to have you know that so when you think about the story of um david and upon that threshing floor you realize something that even david understand that this was a principle in the kingdom of god that you don't take without giving that you don't you, you don't acquire without sacrificing because there are many of us who have yes we've given our lives to christ for many years and we've done all of that but we don't realize that this is actually a principle in the kingdom of god there are many times where you know i, I know some people who will see maybe certain ministers and they will say oh i want this i want that i want the, what they have but have you taken your time to calculate and to consider what they had to sacrifice to get the things that they have? Because I then realized that every time I asked the Lord for these things, he would say to me, what would you give for this thing? What would you sacrifice? And it began to dawn on me that in the in the kingdom of God, or like the kingdom of God is like, you know, a field that is filled with a field that is filled with many treasures, many treasures of all kinds. And the and, and it talks about how when 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 you enter that field, you must know how to mine those fields, you must know how to mine the treasures of God. And it's in that act of mining that you are able to take of the riches of God. And that was what David it was that principle that. David was applied in that um and in in that scenario and he had he was trying to teach me that you know the act of sacrificing is the act of mining in the field of God 
So what do you give for what? How do you determine what is good in the kingdom of God? How do you determine what is a sacrifice? How do you determine, you know, what is the value of those treasures in the kingdom of God? How do you even exchange? How do you go to the table of exchange? How do you take from the kingdom of God and you give up something for the other? Yes, um, scriptures that are littered in, in, in the Bible that talks about this manner of exchange that even talks about um, this scripture. And I feel like that's what the spirit of the Lord is going to be showing us, you know, in this time. Praise God. Is anybody home? Yes, Pastor Linda, we're with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. So I'm going to touch on quickly. Um, I'm going to be using three stories back to back to um to basically explain what I am trying to say because I sense that the spirit of the Lord is about to give some people isolation in the place of prayer. The spirit of the Lord is about to give people wisdom and knowledge in the place of you know in the place of prayer also. And so I'm going to be touching on the, the, the story of Esau and Jacob, that of Jesus upon the cross, and this same story of David upon the threshing floor of Aruna. So there are, um, there are three things you have to consider when you are at that point of a sacrifice. The first thing is you have to know what is treasurable in the kingdom of God. You can't go there and not know what it will cost you. David said, I will not give him what will not what it will not cost me. So basically, you will know what it will cost you and you will know what you are getting at the same time. For David in that moment, what he meant was that the peace of Israel, what he meant was that the pestilence will stop. What he meant was that the anger of God will, will be quenched in that moment. That was what that sacrifice was to give up for him. And what did he give up for that? He had to buy... Um, everything that were, that was used, you know, for that sacrifice. He had to buy the land, he had to buy the oxen, he had to buy the instruments that were used, the wood and the fire, everything that was used for him to be able to give up that sacrifice in that moment. It had to cost him something. And then in exchange, it was so that the hand of the Lord will be stayed and the anger of the Lord will be quenched concerning his own foolishness that he proclaimed in previous chapter. What did it cost um, Jacob to do that? See, I love the story of Jacob and Esau because what you then see is that there was a man who had the birthright and by reason of his birth, he was the one who was to carry it, you know, but Jacob saw that this thing was the treasure in the eyes of God. He saw that this thing was, you know, something that was worthy of, of, of honoring and was worthy of acquiring. And he said to himself, I am not just, you know, going to deceive my brother because many times you say, oh, Jacob was a deceiver. But hear me, I have come with a new, um, what do they call it now? Um, I, I'm, I'm here to propose something. Is it possible that Jacob actually did not deceive Esau? But Jacob exchanged it for something. Jacob sacrificed something for that which was honorable in the kingdom of God. And that's why the Lord honored that exchange between him and Esau. Because at the point when Esau came to him, the Bible says in the book of um, um, Genesis 25, I think verse 27 downwards, it says that Esau was faint, Esau was hungry, he, Esau was tired, and Jacob saw it as an opportunity, and he said to his brother, and he said, um, would you give me your birthright, you know, and uh, um, Jacob, um, for um, a parcel of my porridge, would you give a birthright, because Jacob, um, Esau had come to him and said, give me this porridge, but Jacob did not just give it, and he said, if you would, if you would take this porridge and give me your birthright. So there was that exchange. So what was happening in that moment was that to Esau, the porridge was much more valuable than the birthright. 
she could not tell that one was more weightier than the other. For him, the, the porridge and the satisfaction of his senses was weightier than the, the birthright. And to Jacob, the porridge was nothing compared to the birthright. So there was an exchange and there was a transaction. So a person who will sacrifice to God must understand that he's at the table of transaction. So in that moment, Jacob, I mean, Esau gave freely of his own will, of his own will. And he gave it up. He said to Jacob, he said, what, 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 what use is this birthright to me? I have told you that I am faint and I'm at the point of death. Of what use is it to me? And Jacob looked at him and to him he said, ah, you can have the porridge because this one is much more important to me. And in that moment, after he ate of that porridge, Jacob looked at his brother and said, swear it this day that this thing you have given it to me, let the heavens bear witness and let the earth bear witness that this thing is mine. So I wonder when people say, oh, Jacob was, you know, was, was, was the deceiver. No, he didn't deceive his brother. It was just a matter of knowing what was valuable in their sight. And I saw that this was a spiritual skill, that this was a skill in the kingdom of God that every believer ought to have. Because again, I told you, there is nothing in the kingdom that is truly free. Somebody has to pay a price. You just need to know the value of what you are paying for. And it was the same thing that happened to David when he saw that, oh, this thing was much valuable. And you need to remember, it wasn't just so that the hand of the Lord will be stayed against, um, will be stayed concerning the, um, concerning the pestilence. You also have to remember that in buying that land was also showing that he did not just conquer Jerusalem, he bought Jerusalem. So Jerusalem truly belongs to the, um, um, to the Jews. And that land was to become this very same land that the Lord will answer the children of Israel for many years later because J um, Solomon, his son, built the temple on that same land. So the land that was purchased was to become the house of God truly. You know, so he had to understand that this land, it wasn't just, oh, let me give a sacrifice on this land, but this land will be the very same place that the Lord of Israel, the God of Israel will find a home. Ed, and it is from there that the children of God were exchanged with God. It is from that place that they will go and they will transact in the spirit. It is that same place that they will make declarations and they will pray unto God and the heavens will be opened up, up, up unto them. It was a holy land. So David, um, David understood that, and that was why he purchased that land from, um, from them. The same thing was, um, if you consider the, um, the story of Jesus, is it's the same thing. He understood that the love of the Father was great for the children of men. He understood that the will of the Father supersedes anything he could ever th um, think of. He understood that also the children of God, that is us, we were much more of great value to God than any other thing. So he gave himself up for that. So that's to tell you that you and I that are standing here, there has to be something of valuable, something, something valuable in us for God to have given up his son for us. So you need to even understand your value to begin with. So Jesus made that exchange on our behalf. So in the kingdom of God, like I said, there is always that transaction going. You just need to know how to approach the table. The second thing is speech and articulation of speech. The Bible says that before he gave, before he gave that, um, that offering, David actually prayed a prayer unto God. In fact, there were many prayers that he prayed in that time. One of them that was key, I told you that when they gave the option of the, of the, um, of the punishment that was to occur by reason of what he did, he said, it, so David began to pray and he said, Father, he was saying to God, he said, it is more merciful for me to be in your hand and to, than to be in the hands of a man. 
And this is not because, oh, God is greater than man. It is because truly, God, you are more merciful. Even in your punishment, you are merciful to me. It is because even when you rebuke me, it is a, it is a level of your love that is being given out to me. So Jacob understood, um, David understood that and he began to speak concerning this thing. And it was as though immediately after this prayer, he says the angel of the, he goes to the angel of the Lord and he says she got to Jerusalem and the hand of the Lord stayed. And the Lord actually said to the angel, stop, even before the sacrifice was given. The, actually, the Lord actually repented of this thing before the sacrifice was given. And again, the same thing was true for Esau and Jacob. Again, your speech and articulation shows that you are a man who knows that he is at the table of sacrifice. Think about it. When Jacob and Esau were talking, Jacob was very, very articulate with his words, and he was very, very conscious of everything he said. He said, even when they gave, when they exchanged the 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 the, the, the porridge and the birthright, what did he say to Jacob? What did he say to Esau? He said, swear it this day. Let everyone bear witness because he knew the power of his words. He knew the power of articulation. And then to Esau, Esau was the exact opposite because Esau said to himself, one of the things that, you know, when the Bible says that Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated, you need to understand where it is coming from. It was because Esau was very loose with his words. Not only did he sell the birthright, he sold it knowingly and he disrespected and insulted the better before he did that because he said to Jacob he said of what use is it to me I am telling you that I am about to perish and the only thing you are talking about is this better is that you don't know what is wrong that's what Esau said to Jacob because he was very loose with his speech so you see speech against speech one was very articulate and the other was very loose with his tongue and we see what that exchange led to in that time because one gave up one one thing that was more valuable to the other in that same, because of that same manner of speech. So when you hear Esau have I um, hated and Jacob have I loved, you need to understand that Esau treated the birthright with so much disdain by reason of disdain by reason of his words. So the place of articulation, and I'm talking about the place of articulation in prayer, and also the place of articulation when it comes to your daily engagements with people. And so J um, David also prayed this prayer. You know, and he said the things that he said for Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about, um, uh, let me see. I wrote down that scripture. I don't know if you remember it. It says that um, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he says that I will no more say these things to you. He said, for the prince of this world is here. And he says um, that Jesus makes a powerful claim. And he says that, but he has nothing in me that belongs to him. See that thing here, it is a sermon of a lifetime because what Jesus was basically saying was that I have lived as a man. I have gone through the temptations of men. I have done everything that any man could ever have done. And he says, yet I have come out of this process and I have nothing that belongs to Satan in me. It means that there is nothing, no thought, no arguments, no knowledge, no thinking, nothing that belongs to him that is within me. He says that basically what Jesus was doing was that he was saying, I have fulfilled the word of the Lord that says, be ye holy as I am, as I am holy, be ye perfect as I am perfect, because I have nothing within him that is um, nothing within me that defiles me. I remember what the Bible talks about defilement. It is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him. It means that there was no vain speech that came out of the mouth of Jesus. There was nothing out of his mouth that did not glorify God. There was nothing out of his mouth that blasphemed God. 
And that's what Jesus was saying. So a man who is at the point of sacrifice, he says he went to the slaughterers and he did not utter. Remember, Isaiah um, was even talking about him. The Bible says that he, he, like, he, he kept his speech, his words were within him. So a man who is at the point of sacrifice also knows that he is a man who, who ought to have speech and articulation in that place. And the third thing is um, knowledge and wisdom. And we'll be praying about all of these things. Knowledge and wisdom, this is the third thing. A man who is at this point must know that knowledge and wisdom at the table of transaction, at the table of sacrifice is required. Why do I say so? One David was giving up those um, was giving up the sacrifice or in that scenario there was one character who always kept speaking over David and it was God. God was a prophet and the Bible calls him a seer but the Bible did not just call him a seer he called him David's seer. So David had someone who was always speaking concerning every matter. So there was no point where David acted just because he knew, but he always listened for knowledge and for wisdom. And for David, the Bible talks about how God was that person to him who always brought the words of wisdom, who always brought the word of knowledge. It was him who told him that, you know, God is angry with you and this is what the Lord wants to do. And he's saying you should choose. And that was knowledge in itself. And in wisdom, it was also God who came and said to David, give a sacrifice upon this very altar. So there was always somebody speaking. And it is so funny how these very same things are part of the serving spirit of God. So a person who will engage the table of sacrifice or the table of transaction must also understand that he has to be filled with the spirit of wisdom and to be spirit filled with the spirit of knowledge knowledge to know what are the treasures before you and wisdom to be able to transact with the treasures that you have also talking about jesus the bible says in the book of luke 2 verse 4 he says he says the, um, the boy grew and became strong increasing in wisdom and full of grace with god so jesus was a man who had great wisdom just as the bible indicated even from his very young age same thing with um what's his name with jacob the bible says that um jacob was a plain man who dwelt in tents he constructed him with his brother esau who was a man of the field and he was a cunning hunter that isn't necessarily a good thing if you check the root meaning of those words. But if you construct it with that of um, Esau, the Bible says that he was a plain man who dwelt in town. And when you think about that plain man, you maybe will just think, oh, he was just a man who went about his business. No, not at all. The Bible actually says that that word plain actually means perfect. It means that Joseph, um, Jacob was a perfect man who dwelt within the covering of God. That was what he was saying. And that's same word was the same word that was used of, Jay, of Job when the Lord was making a boast of Job before Satan. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? He is perfect. So that word plain is actually perfection. It actually means holy. So Jacob was, an, was a holy man who dwelt within ten. So, and him dwelling with the, within that tent is the reason why he was so wise. Because J, um, Esau was a man about and Esau was a man without covering. And a man without covering is a man who is let loose. But Jacob was with covering. And how did that covering come? Even though he was not the one with the betrayal, if there was anybody who could teach about the betrayal, it was the same man who had the betrayal in that time, and it was Isaac. Isaac was the one who taught about the betrayal, and Jacob was always found where he was, both within his mother in terms of um, being close to his mother and with his father in terms of being in the same locality with them. So Jacob could learn much more about the birthright than Esau could ever have learned. And that's why he knew. So knowledge and wisdom was always with Jacob in regards to the birthright. And the same could be said of Jesus and the same could be said of David in terms of God. 
And lastly, the prophetic, a man who will stand at the place of a sacrifice must know that there is always a prophetic word that has been given. I will give you an instance with God. With God, the Bible actually says that he was a seer of Jacob. So he was the one always bringing a prophetic word. And to think that in purchasing that land, he was actually speaking of a place where the children of Israel would trip to to go and worship God in later years. So that's buying that land was actually a prophetic instruction to Jacob, um, to David, and to Jesus, Jesus was always acting in accordance with the prophetic word that had come in the book of Genesis 3, verse 5, when the Lord had said that the seed of the woman will boost the serpent. And you see they, um, Satan in all of his work trying to make sure that that seed does not come forth. That seed is corrupted. And that's why Noah was the only one whose seed wasn't um corrupted and that's why you see that Cain who killed his, um, his brother Abel because any any form of righteousness Satan will try to tarnish because that word must not come to pass and it was also the same for God because he had to preserve a remnant at every time so that the lineage so that the the, the, the promise could be passed from one generation to generation until mm -hmm. they brought Jesus Christ and then you see that also happening um, um, you see that also happening with um, Jacob and Esau, where, remember, the Bible talks about how their mother had a very stressful pregnancy, and she went and inquired of the Lord, and she said, what is this that is happening within me, because this is not normal, and the Bible actually says mm -hmm. that God answered her, and he said to her, he said, there are two great nations within you. And he said they are struggling for themselves. And he said that one, the, the latter, the, the, the second is always trying, you know, to overcome the first. And he says the last shall be the first and the first shall be the last. So Jacob had heard those stories from his mother. Remember, he was under covering. And Jacob did what, was, what he ought to have done, which was biblical at any point, because Jacob began to um, war for the words that the prophetic words that has been spoken over him and that was why he got to the point of exchange from the day he was born to the very day he collected that betrayal all Jacob ever did was try to get that betrayal because he knew that there had been a prophetic word so he was warring just like Paul has said to Timothy to do so and Jesus also concerning the prophetic word that has been spoken even from um, the time of Adam and Eve and also the time of the prophets and um David, the same thing with the prophetic word that had come out from the mouth of God, David began to walk. So a man who is at the point of sacrifice, but you may say, how does this apply to me? You have to remember that we ourselves as, as new believers, we don't necessarily give up um, animals or we don't kill flesh as it were to do all of those things. But as the principle will be done away with, no. Because at junctions of your life, you will be required, something will be required for some for you. And this always played out um, in the life of Jacob when he got to Bethel and he saw that, oh, the, the gate of God was in that place. And he said that the Lord was here and I did not know it. What did he begin? He, he began to pray, but the prayers were not just prayers of, oh God, I thank you. Oh, give me this. But Jacob began to say that if he will keep me, keep me close to where, protect me in the house of labor. He says, and in the journeys that I make, he said, I will give you a tenth of everything I have. Why would God not honor those things? Because that was a man that was willing to give sacrifices. At that point, he was willing to say, Oh, if you do this for me, I will do this. At the point when he got to Pena, he said, bless me. I will not let you go unless he bless me. And he laid his strength down in that place because the Bible says that Jacob began to wrestle with the Lord.
And he gave up his strength on that place. He gave up his evil. And it was in that time that the Lord blessed him and called him Israel. So we're going to be praying in this place because for you to be even be able to transact, then you must recognize that there are treasures that lie before you. And you must be able to see what those treasures are. And you must be able to articulate what those treasures are. Because the Bible says that Jesus was speaking and he said, do not cast pearls before swans because they will trample it on the foot. So what it means that if there is anything that is precious in the eyes of God, he will not give it to those who do not know how to honor it. So how do you even honor the things of God is that you are even recognized that it is honorable. And sometimes these things that are honorable before God, they do not look fancy to the eyes. If you looked at Jacob in the time when he had the betrayal, he did not look like a man who was prospering. Another person could have seen him and could have walked away thinking this man had nothing. If you constructed him with Esau, Esau was great. Esau had sanity. Esau had men. Esau was already had children who were lords and rulers of nations. But if you looked at Jacob, Jacob was left, was helpless, limping and scared for his life. But he was the man who the Lord was with. So you need to understand that before you can even transact in the place of a king, you must understand what are the treasures that lie before you so we're going to be praying i'm going to urge you to unmute your mic even as we pray in this minute that the lord will open your eyes to see the treasures that lay before you so that when you get to the point of your prayer when you are saying god i require this of you and the lord will say to you what do you have for it you'll be able to say oh i sense that this thing is of great value and i'm ready to give this for this and we're going to be praying that the spirit of the lord will open our eyes to see the treasures that lay within the lands of the kingdom we're going to be praying that the god will open the eyes of our understanding because your eyes represent your ability to understand again the spirit of god the ability to understand the terrains upon which you stand we're going to be praying that god will cause the gates of our eyes to be open because you can have eyes but you can be blind you can have eyes but you can be nearsighted you can have eyes but you can be farsighted you can have eyes and you can have astigmatism and you're not able to fully comprehend what is before you and we're going to be asking that the spirit of the lord will lay them before us and it will cause the eyes of our or understanding to be open in this season so that when we go to the threshing floor of, of our God, when we go to the point of our sacrifice and the point of exchange, we are able to realize that which is before us. We are able to weigh and to and to understand the weight of the values that God has laid before our eyes. We pray in this season, oh God, that you will make us men and women of understanding in the name of Jesus. That we will not move, oh God, as ones who are foolish, oh God, we will not go about not understanding the weight of the things that we carry or the weight of the things that we oh, ought to possess, oh Father. We pray that you will make us spiritually wise as you did Jacob in his days, that you will cause us, oh God, to be able to understand, Father, the weightiness of the Spirit of the Lord in this season. Father, we pray, oh God, that you would help us to understand the, the seasons that we are entering into. We pray that you will help us to understand the people that you are sending us to us, oh God, and to honor the give things of God in their lives. We pray, Father, that you will give us the ability to weigh, oh God, to weigh in the spirit the treasures of God, that we need not to lie away that is able to understand what is waiting in the spirit of God. My God, that we will not move on like Esau, who went about not knowing what he carried, who went about not knowing the sacrifices that were, that were made and was paid for the best life, who went about not knowing that the words of God and the prophecies of God concerning those things were, were to 
were to precede him and his generation, who went about not understanding that this was the way of God to preserve man and the salvation of man. Father, help us, help us in this season not to be foolish. Help us in this season not to be foolish, my God. For even you yourself do not disregard your word because you have said that you will not give to your children those who do not understand. You will not give to those who do not understand the weightiness of the treasures that you have given them. You will not give unto them. And so, Father, we position ourselves because we understand that it is the spirit of understanding that is able to teach us. It is the spirit of, the, of understanding that is able to teach us. Baba, we say, let it teach us in this season. We say, let it come as a tutor we say let his words go father find ways and an expression in our lives we say let the spirit of the lord wear us like a clothing this season that we will not act as novice that we will not act as ones who are foolish or who are dense or lightweight in the spirit amen for in jesus name we pray Amen. And we're also going to be praying. Like I said, it is a man who does not have speech and who does not have articulation. That is not a man that is found at the table of sacrifice. A man who does not know how to um, walk upon the terrains of the spirit or to navigate the terrains of the spirit with his speech. The Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs that it is by, that by the words of your mouth that you have joy. It is by the words of your mouth that you attain joy. And words are not just, you know, um, um, the speech that you speak, but they are life-giving spirit. But you must know how to articulate because when you are at the table of sacrifice and when you have seen the value of the things that are before you, how do you say to the master, take this and give me this? How do you convince the master that the one you give is is, 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 is more precious for him that it, than it is for you? And the one you take is more pre precious for you than it is for him. How do you negotiate at that point of table? It is, at your, it is with your mouth. And so what I'm really praying for, or what I want us to pray for, is the spirit of articulation. Is the spirit of articulation. You see, when I pray, what happens is I'm able to see what I'm praying for. It is as though my eyes can tell the story of what I'm saying. And I begin to explain it to God. It is that same manner of articulation we are going to be, we are going to be praying for. You know, when, 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 the, when the disciples went to Jesus and they saw, they saw him, they had heard him pray, they had heard his exchange with God. And they said to him, they said, we have been praying of all, of all of our lives. We understand how it is to pray. We've been taught how we, how we ought to pray from, you know, from birth even on to this time, because we learned from our religious leader. But we've seen that there is a level of articulation that you have by the spirit of God, where when even when you pray, like the heavens open up unto you. And they said to him, they said, teach us how to pray. But they did not just say, teach us how to pray as in, in words, but give us the spirit of prayer. Give us the ability to be able to articulate words in the manner and in a way that will touch the heavens and will cause the heavens to open up to God. And the Bible says that Jesus began to teach them how to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray in this manner. And he began to teach them the principles of prayer. He began to teach them the spirit of neglect association he began to teach them how to give to god and how to take from god and it is that same level of articulation that we are going to be praying because when jesus was telling them say our father who art in heaven he was not just giving them words but he was giving them articulation 
nation. He was breathing his spirit upon them. And we're going to be praying that in this season, that the spirit of the Lord will make us negotiation, negotiators and he will give us the ability to be able to take in words and to give words. He will give us the ability to be able to trade by reason of our words in the same way and in the same manner David was able to trade. In the same way and in the same manner Jesus was able to trade. In the same way and in the same manner Jacob was able to take the best right by reason of the words that he spoke. And so Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, O Spirit of the living God, that you will make us negotiators in the Spirit, that you will give us the spirit of articulation in this time. You will help us to be able to see and to identify, O God. You will help us to be able to see and to know and to speak in accordance with the words that we speak. Because I sense that this is a prophetic gift and that the Lord is releasing in this season. My God, that I can see and I can speak, that I can see and I can speak, O God, and I can articulate the words of the Spirit in this season, O God. That Give me an understanding of your word like never before. Give me an understanding of God of the weightiness of the things in the spirit, Jesus. Give me the language to speak. To articulate, O God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Like I said, there are treasures in the kingdom of God and they are littered all through scriptures. And one of them actually, or two of them that this that, that, that the Bible actually identifies is, and they are way, way more, way more, is knowledge. And wisdom. Again, these are the spirits of God. Knowledge and wisdom. How do I mean? The Bible says in the book of Romans, um, um, 11 verse 33, it says, oh, the depth of the knowledge, the depth of the riches of knowledge and wisdom. The depth of the riches, it actually calls knowledge and wisdom rich. And it talks about how, you know, there is no counting them. The boundaries are, are, are without, there are no boundaries when it comes to the possession of God of these riches. Basically, they are many with God. They have no, they, there is no, there is no way you can number them. There is no way you can calculate them. They cannot, you cannot measure them. Basically, is what the Bible is saying. That as far as these things are concerned with God, they are riches and they can, they are without numbers in God. So it is those who know how to mind this riches and the bible continues it says but it is the spirit of the lord that searches out the deep things of god so it is the spirit of the lord that searches out those treasure and why does he search them out that he may reveal them to you so when this and so the treasures of god it tells me that the treasures of god are wisdom and knowledge and they are revealed through wisdom and through knowledge how do i quantify this it says in the time when david was to sacrifice where was wisdom and knowledge coming from it was coming from god in the day of Jesus, he was coming from the spirit of the Lord because the Bible says he increased in wisdom. In the days of Jacob, 
and in the days of um of, of Esau, where was it coming from? It was coming from Rebecca and it was coming from Isaac and from the prophetic word that was spoken concerning him. And so we are going to be praying that the spirit of wisdom, the Bible says that even in the book of, um, I think it was in the book of Proverbs 3, verse, 7, um, verse 17, 16 to 17, it says concerning wisdom, it says that um, the merchandise of wisdom is greater than silver and gold. It says it is more precious than ruby. And then it goes on to make a boast. It says of anything that can be desired, it is much more. Anything that can be desired, be it in the heavens or be it on the earth, wisdom is more valuable than them. And that is why I know that this is a treasure in the kingdom of God. So you can go ahead and do a study to identify these treasures, but we're going to be praying that God will give us the spirit of wisdom. And I don't know what the Lord will require of you to retain those wisdom remember for solomon when he got it he gave up he the bible says he was given sacrifices upon sacrifice it was then that the lord came to him and said what do you want because those sacrifices will provoke a question in the heavens what do we give to the man who sacrifices and whose sacrifices has been accepted so we're going to be praying that the spirit of the lord will give us wisdom and and and, and knowledge in this season but i don't know what the lord will require for you for that but i pray for you that knowledge and wisdom is yours. And if the Lord will require a thing from you, then I pray in this season that it will be something that you can identify and you will be able and be willing Amen. to give up for the sake of these treasures. I pray that your Amen. eyes will be able to realize what the treasures of God are laid before you in. I pray Amen. that you will not go through life as a man who does not understand that he is the son of a king and royalties Amen. and treasures are his to possess, who has the resources of heaven. I pray that foolishness will not take you and cause you not to understand that you are upon the trading floors of God. I pray that the spirit of the Lord will rise upon you in this season and you will be clad with the spirit of the living God because I realize that these are the things that we are that is required for us to lay upon the sacrifice to be able to exchange at the table of God. And I pray even more for you that the season of the prophetic will rise in your house and will rise in your midst because none of this men could work for this war. None of this men could lay up sacrifices without the prophecies that had gone forth. And I pray that the prophetic voices in your life will be amplified in this season. Your prophetic giftings will be amplified in this season. I pray for you that you have eyes that can see. Yes, yes. that can hear over. Amen. In this season, in the name of Jesus, I pray Amen. that the words of God will rise above you and you'll be able to see and to articulate them in this season. I pray Amen. for you that in this season, you will not go about wandering and just going without covering, but like Jacob, you will stand in the safety of the words of God. You will stand in the safety of the prophetic that has come upon you. I Amen. pray for you and I cover you by the spirit of God. And I say, Amen. let the seven spirits of God begin to teach you how it is to trade before the spirit of God. Amen. I pray, Father, that they will become our teachers. I pray, Father, that they will become our rabbis and our tutors in the season. I pray even, well, even more than their words that they will give us their spirit in this season. Father, Amen. I thank you because you are bringing us to the place of revelation. I thank you, Father, because you are bringing us to the place of spiritual articulation. I thank you, Father, because you are giving us and you are making us men like David who understand what we ought to do for the times so that we know Amen. how to negotiate, how to go with the spirit of God and how to engage Amen. the seasons, oh God. I pray, Amen. Father, that you will raise us to become men like this, oh God. For Amen. in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Good Praise morning, God. everyone. Good morning. Amen. Good morning. God bless you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for joining us. I think tomorrow is our very last prayer ring. So please, please, yes. please, please, please be here. Invite your friends who are going to be, you know, 
um, we're coming to the submission of everything we've been praying about. And I trust that the spirit of the Lord will bring um, a sense of conclusion and, you know, a sense of conclusion to this matter that we have been pursuing for the past six days. And I pray Amen. that the Lord will keep you and he will bless your day today. In Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. 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 God bless you, Pastor Amen. Linda. Thank you Thank so you much. So much. You know, while you were ministering, um, there were some things that um, the Holy Spirit was laying in my heart, and I'll just share with us, you know, regarding this topic of sacrifice. Most times when we look at sacrifice, we look at it as what we are giving up, you know, but the Holy Spirit started to tell me that um, it's not about giving up to lose things, but giving up as per investing, you know, and he started to liken it to like investments, you know, generally like in yeah. the stock market, you know, and all of that. And even just looking at the commodity of money, money in itself is not powerful because it is money, but because of its purchasing power, you know, um, because it is a means to an end. So the fact yeah. that you have money is fantastic, but the fact that you can now invest that money to acquire more things, that is what makes you stand out. So if you look at people that are very wealthy and successful on this earth, you know, there are people that are able to identify businesses that they should invest in. You know, there are a lot of silent investors that are very, very rich. You don't know them, you don't see them. They're not the ones mm. in front of the camera, you know, but they are the ones that are, as we say, they're the ones that are running things. They're the ones that are running the show because there are some people that just go around investing. In Silicon Valley, you will see there are some names that you hear. This one invested in Uber. This one invested in Twitter. This one invested in um, Instagram, invested in Facebook. And from all of these things, that's how they are making their money. Why? Because their money is trading for them. You know, it's constantly being put to work, being put to use. And I felt like that was what the Holy Spirit was highlighting to me, that we should stop, you know, he's trying to help us move from the path of looking at sacrifices as losses, but as investments. Mm, and there were a few exactly. school pictures that he laid in my heart. He talked about faith being the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And if the Bible says that faith is a substance, that means that thing that God has given us. Most times when God is asking us to give something, if we look at like the life of Abraham, he was telling him, he was inviting him to the table of trading. And he said, give me that which is most important to you. As we all know, it was a test. But in that moment, Abraham did not know in fact, he had never seen it happen before. At least now we have the example of Abraham because he was obedient. But Abraham had nobody else to look up to. But guess what? He trusted in God and he, I believe that he had an understanding, even if he was, mm. there was maybe some kind of fear or whatever, but the understanding he had was more and he was willing to trade to see and to put God to the test, you know, and he was ready to give that which he had. And another scripture that explains it is that scripture in the book of Matthew that's says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. It's like unto um, treasure hid in a field. The, um, that which when a man had found, he hideth and for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he has to buy that field. Exactly. So he's selling everything he has, not because he's, he's not looking at his possessions as if he's losing them, but he's looking at it in terms of acquisition. I'm going to gain more. In fact, he saw it and then he didn't even announce it. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't go around saying, oh, God has me asking me to do this thing. I'm not sure. No, no, no. It wasn't time to discuss it. He went and did what he had to do, you know. And finally, um, the Bible tells us, verily, um, very, verily, um, truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. 
but if he dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, I'm just rushing to um, pretty much just cap everything that Pastor Linda has been um, saying this morning, which is that we are not losing when God invites us to the table of sacrifice, to the table of trading. It's because he wants to promote us. And so my question to you this morning is, what does your investment portfolio look like in the spirits? What are the things you have invested in? What are the sacrifices that you have given? Where are the ways and the places that God has invited you and told you come up here and you have been able to evaluate through the lens of the spirit or have you evaluated as a child? And this morning, once again, if you have found yourself in the place where you were not able to evaluate, maybe like an Esau, because at every table that is placed before you, you know, where there's an Esau, there's always a Jacob. You know, if you are losing an opportunity, best believe that another person sees it and identifies it and is going for it. And so you may not even know what is happening to you, but there is always trading that is going on in the realm of the spirit. And when Pastor Emeka came um, on Tuesday, he talked about it and he said one thing that he noticed about the life of Daniel, about the, Joseph, about the life of Joseph was that they always traded their light for authority. Because they were relevant, they kept receiving higher ranking, higher authority, higher promotion in the places that they found themselves. So there is always a table of trade that is open at every time and at every season. It is for us to be able to identify it. At and so I pray that in the name of Jesus, indeed, as we have prayed this morning, our eyes will be open to see, Amen. our ears will be open to hear, and our hearts will be open Amen. to understand. No more will our, the fields of our lives look like barren lands, but the Lord will help us by the leading of his Holy Spirit to identify places, areas in the spirits to invest in, and that every time he calls upon us, because we can see that is which are, that which is ahead, and because of the hope of the of, of what he's calling us onto, we'll be able to invest that which he's asking us to put in the ground in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you praise, oh God, and we thank you, for we know that your word is being perfected in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.